your student radio station on 1251 AM. This is your role. Hello, welcome back. You are listening to Raw News Insight. Uh, well, no, I always make this make you're watching Raw News Insight. I'm your host, Ian McKingu, Head of News here at Raw. Um, I want to say this up front. This is going to be a very, this show is going to talk about a lot of very, you know, traumatic topics like precipitality and racism. This is a trigger warning. If you feel like you're going to be hurt by any of these topics, uh, I would advise you to stop watching now. I promise you, uh, no, no one's going to be offended. You need to do what you have to do to protect your own mental health. So, in the headlines this week, we have George Floyd protests. Protests have broken out across America after the murder of George Floyd, a black man, by the by the Minneapolis police force. And after the it was after the man who did it was not arrested initially. Um, we also have SpaceX. SpaceX have launched Dragon Dragon Endeavor, the first, which basically a dawn of a new age of spaceflight in America. And of course, UK lockdown. We've saw, we saw today marks the first day of a gradual easing of lockdown from schools reopening, some businesses reopening, and people who had shielded previously now allowed back out into the world. And we're going to discuss what all that means in this show. But first, I want to introduce my brilliant panel, starting with Head of Trading here at Raw, Joshua Gray. Joshua, say hello to the people. Hey, I'm Josh. As Enoch said, I'm Head of Trading. Yeah, it's been a very eventful week, I must say. Yeah, it really has. Josh, I'm... Obviously, I don't want to touch on anything we're going to get into in the actuals. So mm. I'm, I want to ask because we're going to talk very lots of really dark topics in this mm. show. So I want to ask you first, what's the best thing happened to you this week? Best thing that's happened to me this week. Um, I actually decided to start doing some stuff for the online learning course. That's probably the best thing that's happened. That, and that, that's, I'm so sorry that that's the best thing that happened to me. <laughs> I, I got the motivation together. <laughs> yeah, I honest, I you know what, I I fully can't think of anything else. Like that's I'm so sorry. That's the best thing that's happened to you this week. <laughs> Hopefully we'll fix that on this show and have some more we'll bring some more light into your life. But uh, we'll go from that to Nini. Nini, welcome to the stream. Good afternoon. Hope this is reaching everybody incredibly safely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Nini, what's the best thing happened to you this week? Um, that's a very tough question, but luckily I have a very good answer. As of this morning, I have flight tickets to go back home, so I am officially going to be able to see my family again for the first time this year. Because you obviously, because you couldn't get back home before because of the yeah. initial lockdown and quarantining, so yeah. you are now able to return home. When are you heading back then? Uh, my flight tickets are for July first, so I will be home around July second because of time zones. So if you're watching this from Bangalore, India, I'm coming home. Brilliant. And last but absolutely not least, Politics Society Academic Officer Dorka, welcome to the stream, Dorka. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you, for, thank you for coming on. What's the best thing happened to you this week? Uh, this week, uh, after maybe, yeah, after two and a half months of staying at home, I finally went to a cafe and I finally just went out and about in the city. That 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 just felt really good after all God. this time indoors. That, does, that sounds beautiful to me, honestly. Uh, getting out to a cafe, that sounds like everything I want to do in the world right now. Um, okay, but it's time to start the show. Obviously, I want to flash again. This is a trigger warning for police brutality and racism. If you feel like you'll be hurt by any of these topics, please do whatever's best for your mental health and start watching now. We are going to discuss uh, George Floyd. Um, uh, George Floyd. Um, so, last week, a man named George Floyd went. To, I keep saying his name wrong. I my arm galbling it. A man named George went. George Floyd went. George Floyd went to um, a coffee shop, tried to order a cup of coffee, and paid for a twenty-pound bill that turned out to be fraudulent. Um, he, the police were called on. Police were called on him, and after an, an altercation, a police officer knelt on his neck for eight minutes until he suffocated and was pronounced dead. 
an hour later. Um, we've seen we've seen protests break out across America, not just America, America across America and the world over this, and we see increasing escalation of violence from the police. So I want to start firstly by asking, um, how is it in 2020? We're still seeing stories like this, where police officers, especially you know, with such an awareness of you know camera culture that they're being recorded, police officers still feel free to do stuff to you know sort of essentially execute someone live on camera. Nina, we'll come to you first on this. Um, oh, oh, sorry. No, I actually he's flat stream there for a second. Sorry. Um, I think we have an incredibly simple answer for this. Now, obviously, for the story, I've done a lot of research, and this is a story that is incredibly personal to me as a person of color living in the West. Um, but I'll, I'll keep the answer incredibly short for this. It's the reason why they still do this, despite the despite the increase of camera culture, is simply because they know they can get away with it. Derek Chauvin was only charged with third-degree murder after riots broke out. In fact, he had about between 10 and 13 complaints, um, including shooting a witness and police brutality before this incident. And he got away with it up until we shared this video. They, these police officers that do these terribly brutal and horrific acts of systemic racism get away with it until we see the video. And they know that. So they think they can get away with it. The white supremacists who shot Ahmed Aubrey, they only got arrested after that video came out. And I believe it was Will Smith and many, many um, famous people of color who said they didn't make the arrest because they saw the video. They made the arrest because we saw the video. Yeah, uh, Josh, I'll come to you on this. Do you agree with what Nina is saying that actually cameras haven't affected the culture of accountability in the USA and officers still believe they can get away with anything? I think that's the case with most forms of authority because I believe that humans are just generally imperfect and when they have there's always this power hunger within a human being and when you are given this amount of power and authority as a police officer some some will abuse that and the issue with uh, officer Chauvin is a perfect example of this showing that he as they are an officer of the law they feel they can abuse their power and in this case it also shows and I a concept which has been going around particularly in America and the West for many years is the idea of um, racial discrimination from the police particularly in the case of what we see here against the African-American population which has been a problem within the police forces for many years. Um, Dorka, do you agree with what's been said by the panel so far? Yes, yes, I, I do agree and I don't think the camera it, I don't think it holds them accountable. I think it holds them accountable to the public. The cameras help help us, help the world know what is happening. It helps it helps to give concrete proof that yes, there is police brutality. It's not just a it's not just a one person versus the other. It's not, you know, a clash of stories. It is what is happening on camera and everyone knows about it. But I don't think the cameras themselves do anything to change this culture. I don't think they inspire any fear. I mean, if if we look at all the very public tweets that Donald Trump is doing, which are underlyingly racist, I mean, he is sharing his views out and about in the world. He is not caring about all the publicity he's getting he's not caring about all the attention he is getting he he still thinks that he is invincible just like how these police officers still think that they are invincible whether there's footage of them abusing their power or not yeah um so we'll talk briefly about the initial police action i want to talk about the protest now 
lots of people, as you've seen lots of both support and opposition for protests. One of the key, um, one of the sort of the key opposition is people have said is that in these current coronavirus times, it's not safe to have mass protests like this on the street. Um, Nini, I know you think you're going to protest. What's why? Why do you feel like it's important to engage protests right now, even though we are in the middle of a pandemic? Um, so actually, I'm going to say I've prepared a statement regarding this, actually, because I've been arguing with a lot of people, including my friends, about this very topic. And it's something that I've had to think about a lot for a very long time. And I understand the concerns that protesting under a pandemic is not the best. It's not an ideal situation because it can spread the disease and further stress the NHS and medical workers who are clearly too stressed. But I have a few things to say. Now, in America, they were, they were peacefully protesting the murder of George Floyd until they were hit with tear gas. In England, they have scheduled a protest and many English politicians and people in power have been saying, oh, if there's a second spike, we know who to blame. They, they want to blame the protesters However, it, is, it has been apparently clear that the protesters have not been the only people violating lockdown. Members of the parliament have been doing it. People have just been going out to beaches and they want to use protesters as a scapegoat. I think, I know, I'm never going to condone people saying spreading the disease, but I don't think the people going to this protest are going to be the ones be in, in complete vulnerability or people who come into contact with people who are vulnerable to the disease very often they're not going to take a lot of risks and i want to say something and it's it's it, this might be a little tough for me to say but to the people in power there will never be an ideal time to protest because they don't want us protesting i um so i am personally kind of living in the west which is why i feel so strongly but also before i moved to the united kingdom i lived in india and in december and january of last year um, the people of India faced a very divisive policy change made by the government called the Citizenship Amendment Bill and the National Registry of Citizens, which many people rightly felt disproportionately um, affected the Muslim population and transgender population. And it was incredibly racist and xenophobic. So, so as a result, we decided to protest it. And despite the fact that the coronavirus wasn't a big pandemic at the time, we were met with sticks and stones from the police. We were beaten with sticks. We were arrested in mass. They criminalized people meeting in groups more than four just to try and stop protesting. University libraries were tear gassed. Libraries, just because the students were speaking up and students were beaten. Law students who study the constitution of their country and study the right to secularity were beaten for standing up for that very right. To the people in power, there will never be a time for us to be vocal. But in reality, we shouldn't be having these protests, not because there's a pandemic, but we shouldn't have to have these protests. We shouldn't be, ha be having a society where people can be institutionally attacked, uh, institutionally attacked and discriminated against just on the basis of, the, of their religion, the color of their skin, their gender. This is not an American problem. Yes, Black Lives Matter is an American organization talking about police brutality against people of color. But the same thing happens in England. And in India, there is incredible violence against Muslims and the Dalit community. But we don't, we aren't encouraged to speak up against this. 
However, I believe that the tenets of democracy that are freedom and equality and the right the right to protect yourselves and stand up for what you believe in goes beyond just a virus. And it would break my heart to see people blaming the protesters when there is so much more wrong with this world. If, if you feel that the protests are spreading the virus, do not blame the protesters. Blame the police officers that are the reason we protest. Blame the people that you elect into office that are the reason that we protest. My heart goes out to every single person that is protesting right now, despite the pandemic uh, pandemic um, problems that might arise from it. And to those of you who say these protests are violent and that riots and looting solve nothing, um, I would like to say that again, I am not condoning or encouraging violence. I am not condoning riots and I'm not encouraging looting. But in the words of Martin Luther King, a riot is the language of the unheard. Colin Kaepernick peacefully knelt during the national anthem to protest the brutality his race faces on a daily basis. And his career was ended. He was dropped by his team for peacefully protesting. So please do not tell me the peaceful protests are the only way to go about. Sometimes we need to take action and we need to take justice into our own hands. There is no cause more important than than fighting for equality and justice and i will not be and i will not budge on that issue uh, um because while you might argue that a pandemic should stop a protest the pandemic didn't stop the racists the virus didn't stop derek chauvin from kneeling on the neck of george floyd the pandemic did not stop the two white supremacists from shooting ahmed abri as he was peacefully jogging and the police from failing to arrest those supremacists despite having a vi video evidence of it and the pandemic did not stop a man spitting on nhs worker belly mujonda in order to give her COVID-19 and the police refusing to investigate this even after her death. Thank you for listening to what I had to say. Um, thank you. Um, you touched on briefly the idea that people were unhappy with what they saw was the violence of these protests, particularly the looting and burning down the stores. Um, Josh Dorka, I'll come to you. Do you what do you think about the, sort of these more violent sort of appearances of the protest? Uh, Dorka, I'll come to you first. Yeah. Uh, first, on the topic of, I would really briefly like to touch up on the topic of, yeah, of, uh, yeah, of protesting during the coronavirus crisis. As Ninu has said, the problem here is not with the protesters. In Hungary, during the virus, the government assumed full state power on the basis of a case of an emergency, which honestly, we did not have. It, it was totally uncalled for, but they did. And amidst the very urgent COVID-19 laws, they also installed a law banning any transgender surgery and any sex changing surgery and changing your sex legally within the Hungarian, um, within the Hungarian administration or within a Hungarian legal framework. And it was obviously based and it was obviously targeted uh, on a minority. It was uncalled for and it was unlawful and when people protested in Hungary we protested by um, going into in uh, by going with cars and it was basically just a big row of cars and people honking they did not touch each other they were not even within two meters of each other everyone was safely within their cars and still they got fined for I think um, I think noise pollution because they were honking too loudly and they got more than five million forints and um, 
and fines, which is just absurd. So it is clearly not about keeping people safe. It is clearly not about trying to stop the virus from spreading. It is about trying to shut people up. It is about trying to blame the protesters and finding a grip on them, which would make their point invalid, which would make people stop listening to them, which would make people blame them for whatever is happening and paint them as, as the villains. I, I really, really, um, I'm really, really pleased with how peacefully the American protested, protests started. And there are so many videos of people uh, peacefully sitting and letting the police march through them, letting the police beat them without them raising a hand. It is clearly very sad, uh, but I am very, um, I'm just very surprised by how, how calm people have been keeping. And, and even, um, even during these protests, how, um, how human the protesters have been. Now, there, are, there is obviously news about some of these protests turning into a riot and some of these protests becoming violent. But I think in 90% of the cases, it has been provoked. It has been provoked by police brutality. It has been po uh, provoked by any lack of action from the government. It has been provoked by the police taking insane measures to keep people off the streets. Um, and... It is very, very sad that it has come to this. It is very, very sad that it is this violent, but I think it is needed. And I think it is a, a wake up call that we we all needed and which was necessary for people to be aware that, that this is still a problem and that it's far from being solved. Yeah. Josh, would you agree? Uh, yeah, I think that it's a very large issue um, as, uh, and the coronavirus pandemic going on at the same time compounds this issue further. But I'd still say I'd support the protests going on within America. But I, what I do is I, I split the protest in two. There's the ones who are peacefully protesting and then there's that, that violence going on which the police are provoking. That I support. What has been happening on the other side though is we've been seeing people taking advantage of the situation to loot and destroy people's livelihoods, people's businesses and everything like that. That part of it I do not support in the fact that they are destroying innocent people's lives for, and taking advantage of a situation. The people who are actually protesting for George in George Floyd's name and are protesting the um, underlying uh, racial discrimination and police brutality which has existed in America and the West for many decades is certainly something I support. And I think it's just generally that's what is the fact we shouldn't be at this point we've this society that we've had has been developing for hundreds of years and the fact that we're still talking about the point of the idea of racism being within our public spaces particularly with the police this is something that should have been sorted out so many years ago it's not even it's not even a debate that idea that there are still racist elements within the police um department is sickening in my opinion um and as i said it should have been sourced out years ago but it's still happening and it's happening practically every year you, we always every year a new case comes up where one person has been uh but has been killed by a police officer and that police officer gets away with it or gets a very minimal sentence which does not equal the crime that they actually committed so the protests in themselves are that are just simply the people finally fed up of this happening every single time and nothing changing and 
the, the government can put forward the idea of, oh, you need to stay indoors because of the coronavirus. But then again, the coronavirus did not precede these events. These events have been happening for years on end and the, the government have refused to do anything about it. So for the protesters to, to then be, for the, sorry, um, yes, yeah, so it's happening for many years. And for the government to finally be like, oh, go inside because of the coronavirus. And still, again, not addressing the big issue here, which has been happening for so many years, is simply disgusting. And the protests uh, are, I support in that sense, in that there is an issue which has risen over many years and has finally bubbled over into protests. And it, in that sense, I do support the protests. Yeah. Um, now, you've, we've also touched on the level of police, police brutality we've seen within these actual protests. Um, I'll, I'll touch on a few stories here, but obviously I don't want to become too graphic because I, again, a trigger one for anyone who might be traumatized by these sort of things. We've seen police officers running people down with cars, the use of rubber bullets. We've seen um, mace applied to children. Why? I mean, obviously, at first, I just want your reaction to the level of the escalation police are going on here. And then we'll get into a sort of more deeper discussion about why it's happening. Um, Nino, I'll come to you. We haven't heard from you in a while. Mm -hmm. Nino, what do you think about the sort of police brutality shown in the protests? I am so, so angry at the level of violence, I do not think it's proportionate at all. And when, um, you know, predominantly white people were protesting about going to beauty salons and being able to get their hair done with guns, they were protesting with guns. We didn't see any violence from the police. But when people were protesting against the unrightful, unlawful and unjust murder of an innocent black man, then suddenly they are throwing tear gas into the crowds. They are macing children. Just before I came on the stream, I watched a video of the police in Atlanta brutally pulling a woman out of her car through the glass. They didn't even undo her seatbelt, nothing. They just ripped her out of her car. Those two, the, those two officers in the case in Atlanta have been arrested um, immediately because the mayor was not standing for that. They were caught on body camera pulling it out of the car and the, the officers were arrested. But still, I still think it's absolutely insane, the level of violence. And you said we'd touch up on why later. So I'll speak more about that when we get to that. Well, I mean, if you, yeah, why do you think a place is in this level of violence in this specific situation? Well, first of all, I think uh, when you've been developed into such a system where you benefit, right, from a privilege and a discrimination existing, you will fight however much you want for that system still existing. I think many officers in the police take the whole anti-discrimination um, protests as an insult to their police force, which I think is it is an insult to the police force because the police are being racist. And um, because of this, they feel personally insulted. I think they believe they have a personal stake in these protests. So when it comes to quashing it, they don't care. They think they're, they're being justified in doing whatever they do because they're not, not behaving appropriately. But no behavior justifies this. It's completely disproportionate violence. As and, and another thing is a lot of the people in power also believe that, you know, it's justified because now there's chaos. Trump calls them Antifa and the radical left, you know, attacking, attacking the innocent store owners. But this there is a lot more going on than just that. And anybody who says the Antifa are the villain in this piece, I might have to remind you that Antifa stands for anti-fascist. And if anti-fascists are your villain, you might really want to consider your standpoint incredibly carefully. 
Yeah, um, Nini, thank you. Um, Josh, Dorker, I'll turn the same question to you. What's your reaction to the violence we've seen from the police and why do you think it's happening? Uh, I started with Dorker last time, so Josh, I'll start with you this time. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the only response there should be is absolute disgust. I mean, the examples that you brought up, Enoch, of children getting maced, rubber bullets, tear gas in this situation, it is disgusting and it is an, another abuse of the powers of the police. Um, in the sen sense that, you know, it shouldn't come to this. It was a, started off as a peaceful protest. There was no need to throw tear gas, mace, rubber bullets. They were protesting peacefully. There was no reason to have that on them, let alone be using those means of dispersing the crowd. That in itself is horrific. And in addition, the fact is that now that there is now violent protesting going on, the police now are using that, what they had done to start that violence, they're now using that as an excuse to then further add more cases of being able to use these ways of dispersing crowds. So in this sense, it is the police abusing their power to start off a violent protest, which came from their own violence in the first place, to then abuse their powers even further to try and enforce even more rule of law, which in my opinion is unjustified. Yeah. Dorka, do you agree? Yeah, I completely agree. I think that, that this level of police brutality, this level of, of crowd dispersing is incredibly uncalled for. I mean, if, if you just look at how many police officers are, are there at the scene, how geared up they are, how much means they have to hurt people without actually firing a gun. I mean, a rubber bullet, it's not, it's not like someone pinching you it hurts really bad it leaves real bruises it leaves real scars it's real hurt and real damage that they're doing to people it is not peacefully dispersing a crowd it is just as violent uh, or almost as violent if they had real guns or if they had real me um more means of um of sending people home and it isn't called for these protests have have started very marching on the streets it was people sitting down it was people with signs saying that they demand justice and instead instead of putting a man on trial instead of putting a murderer on trial and giving george floyd that the justice that he deserves they blame all of this on people resorting to their last means um and protesting on the streets and it is just unbelievable to me how it has come to this i mean all they had to do all they really really had to do in the first place is arrest a murderer is arrest someone who has on camera killed another being and charge him with at least second degree murder and instead of that they resorted to police brutality instead of that they came out with tear gas and rubber bullets so i think it, it is uncalled for and it is very disheartening yeah. Yeah, you, you've also, you all touched on the, the use of rubber bullets. One of the most, I don't want to say iconic, but one of the most horrifying images we saw over the weekend was police shooting on reporters with rubber bullets, breaking cameras, mm -hmm. police arresting a CNN reporter while he was live on air. Why, why do we think the police are going after the press so intensely this time round when we didn't really see this the same level in, in previous or Ferguson protests? Yeah. Um, Nini, I keep coming to you first, but it's because you always talked last, so yeah, I'll come to you. Yeah, um, I believe there's. I have a lot to say about this, of course. Uh, first, I'd like to say I think it's ab absolutely atrocious that before they arrested a man for killing, just unjustly murdering uh, an innocent black man, they arrested another black person who reported on the murders. 
right? And you've said you've never seen this sort of, um, in America at least, you've never seen this sort of police force against the press. But coming from India, I have seen this my entire life. I have been seeing people who are vocal and critical of the government being silenced, completely silenced, whether forcefully or not. Um, recently, in um, I believe in either January of 2020 or December of 2019, a few a few students at, at this university called um, Jamia Millia University, an Islamic university, protested the government's um, in the Indian government's actions against the um against the the islamic community and the police decided that to take it upon themselves and that, and because a few protesters were slightly violent they decided to punish the entire university they waited for these students to return to the university and then they tear gassed the library not the not where the protesters were they tear gassed the library and then proceeded to march into the university and beat the students Following later that month at Jawaharlal Nehru, I forgot how to speak, Nehru University, um, a few, there are, there are, there's a group of people who support the government in India called the ABVP. And ABVP goons stormed into the university and beat the students, physically were beating the students. And the police came, but refused to enter the university and refused to let anyone who was escaping exit the scene. And, and they were just completely brutalized. And what the government did was not arrest any of those goons, but wait until last month and then say that the student leaders of both these universities, again, those students who were beaten, those student leaders were inciting riots and arrested all the student leaders including one woman who is pregnant right now in prison. They've arrested them without trial because they're being held on terrorist charges. And they're being held without trial. And the burden of evidence is on them to prove they are innocent and not for the state to prove that they are guilty. And the reason I think that many governments, especially governments that move towards authoritarianism, do this is because if we had a free and informed press that informed the populace, that we would no longer stand for this. And it's already having an effect. The lack of coverage, especially by right-wing news media on George Floyd, has led many people to believe that this is just an isolated incident, right? And therefore, they, they refuse to, they refuse, uh, the police are going to, you know, press hard on the, on the press. Yeah, um, no, thank you. Josh, Dorka, do you agree? I'll come to you first. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure which one of us. No, it's but uh, <laughs> No, I, I definitely agree. The the press who just wanted to report the events, you know, who without any any commentary, I mean a cameraman just just videos and tapes whatever is happening. They are not giving any commentary on the issues. And they were not allowed to film. They were just as much beaten and and taken and taken into custody as any of the other protesters. And what is incredible to me is that it's the press are not the only one with cameras. Every one of the protesters is filming what is happening. If they if they arrest CNN reporters or if they arrest whoever is there with the press badge, that does not mean that the riots or, or that these protests are not going to be covered. It does not mean that people are not going to know what happened. So I really do not see 
I really do not see why they are doing this. I really do not see what sense it makes to shut up those couple of reporters because in in a world where everyone has smartphones, in a world where everyone has cameras, it is going to get out. And it is not depending on those few CNN cameramen who are taken into custody for, honestly, I don't even know what excuse they brought them in with. They were released maybe a day afterwards, but with really just made up charges. And it is, I, I have seen a, uh, a video of police tackling a medical team who were there to help people who are really just innocent bystanders in this. Nay, they're not even bystanders. They are helping whoever is injured. And it is incredibly uncalled for. I, I really do not know why they are doing this. I really do not know why they are coming so hard down on the press when it's not It's not up to those few people whether this is going to get out or not. This is news. Everyone is listening. Everyone has a camera. Everyone is looking at these protests. It is going to get reported, and they're not going to get away with it. They're not going to shush this whole thing down if they just arrest those few hundred people who are there with a the press badge. Um, Josh, do you agree? Uh, yes, um, I fully agree. And the fact that police are arresting uh newscasters, people who are simply reporting on what is going on, it can be straight up just saying what the First Amendment of the United States Constitution is. It's freedom of speech. Freedom of freedom of the press is a direct part of freedom of speech. The fact that the police are arresting them for no reason, I cannot see a reason why the police were arresting uh, the press. So in that sense, it's on essentially false charges, whatever those charges might be, it is simply an abuse of it is simply a an abuse of their powers against the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. So the actions of the police taken were unconstitutional, and again, as I said, it's, there was no reason to it. The CNN reporter was simply, as we saw, it, he was live on air talking to the camera, talking to the studio about what is going on and what his um, perception of the events going on were. And he was in the crowd. We could see it. The protest was going on behind him. And the police just simply go up to him and essentially arrest him. And there was no reason to do it. He was not at that during that. He was not taking part in the protest at all. He was not involved in it. He was simply reporting on it. And for the police to then arrest him, it just made zero sense whatsoever. And only adds to the many things that the public can use against the police in this situation to further show that the police can be seen as corrupt and wrong and racist. It's just not helping the police at all to arrest the press like this. Yeah, um, yeah I think those are all very interesting points. Um, something else has become a really big issue um, is people have asked, why is it the police, who are in many cases fully kids out in riot gear, um, they have, they have access to PPE, the National Guard's been called in. People are asking, how is it the police can get access to PPE and the National Guard can be called in to stop protests? But during the initial lockdown phase where people need lots of testing done and lots of doctors and nurses need PPE, there wasn't seen as that, a, a huge supply of it. Um, Dork, I'll come to you on this. Why do, why do you think that disparities occurred? Um, I think it's because this, this is the priority. I mean, um... It is, it is very clear that the police are geared and it is very clear that they they didn't get all of this gear overnight. You know, they, they have had the riot gear from the get-go. They have had this at their hands. Um, no, just 
just as a side note, I'm sure that since the uh, since the whole pandemic started, they have acquired more PPE. So I do not want to suggest entirely that they were uh, kept away and they were kept for police purposes from um, from health workers or from nurses or doctors or anything like that. I do think that as they realized that a pandemic was going on, they acquired more of it. But it is clear that they prioritize uh, safekeepers and the National Guards and, and police who are serving very, very small elites favors um, over over health workers and, and, over, uh, and over hospitals or just over the general public who could use those PPE more. So that's, that's my opinion on that. Um, Minnie, I'll come to you. Do you agree with what Dork is saying there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think that, you know, um, this is sort of the, the slow transition towards authoritarianism. You start to prioritize the military. You prioritize these big, you know, these big military organizations like the army, the National Guard, the police force. You, get, you give them more weapons, you give them more equipment. And you, you, you tell yourself that this is to protect the people. To help you sleep at night, you tell yourself that this is to protect the people. And you arrest the press because you want to criminalize dissent and you want to scare people into silence. And then you use your now your roided up military, your roided up police force to scare your citizens into agreeing with you and agreeing with your perspective. You criminalize any form of dissent. And this is how they do it. They tell us that they don't have the resources to protect our people, but they have plenty of resources for the National Guard and the police. And I think Tupac says it the, said it the best when he said, you know, it's funny when it rains, it pours. They got money for war, but won't feed the poor. Yeah. Um, Josh, do you agree with Tupac there? Uh, yes, I very much do. I mean, if you, I mean, the best way you can do it is looking at the US budgets. I mean, they sink literally a trillion a year going up to a trillion a year just into military spending into defense and the health health department they give very little in comparison i think the most recent fiscal year they were only given like 60 billion dollars in comparison so just in that sense in itself there's clearly a disproportionate amount of spending from the government towards defense services such as the national guard police the army itself so i'm not surprised that the police are decked out in all this kit that they just suddenly have they've probably had it for years because of just how american government has done its spending and the fact is that they have all this ppe now and even now we're still talking about shortages of ppe among health departments not even yes we always talked about it at the start because everyone was not prepared for a pandemic of this scale but then even now there are still shortages in hospitals if you keep asking doctors they always say i we haven't got enough ppe in this specific hospital and hospitals surrounding the area and the fact that every single policeman and every single member of the police the riot teams the national guard that's been sent in they all have it and there's they, we have had a single policeman saying we haven't got enough PPE. It's just showing a clear disparity in how America particularly um, treats its usage of PPE and the fact it's prioritizing the defense services over the population and the health services. Yeah. Now, someone who we can't get out, get out of the topic without discussing is, of course, Donald Trump. Um, as we speak, he's currently held on a, a bunker underneath the White House, waiting out the various protests outside the White House. Um, so 
first, let's discuss his overall. What, what's been? What's your opinion on his overall response before we discuss the exact details of everything he said in a step by step way? Um, I just, 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 I just came to you, so I'm going to. I'll talk. I'll start with you. Yeah, uh, I, um, I spent a year in the United States, and I still keep in touch with many of my American friends. So I, I have somewhat. Uh, and and I have been in the U.S. during during Trump. He's a very interesting man, but his his overall response uh, and his overall just attitude towards the public and towards his own people is is very appalling to me. I mean, he is very clearly siding with uh, with one side of the protesters, down to him calling one of the side thugs, and then the other sides the good people of America who just want a haircut. That is that is such a stark contrast. And him using the phrase, when the looting sh starts, the shooting starts, is baffling to me. It, 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 it originated in the 60s of America during the civil rights protests when people were fighting for their rights. And it is very sad that they still have to fight for the same rights more than 60 years from when it all started. It is very very sad to me that America is this divided and that Trump does nothing to ease the tensions. He does nothing. He does not want to try to understand the other side. He's not even pretending to be with the other side. You know, that, that, that's, what I, that's what I miss most about him, at least if he could pretend that he is everyone's president and not just the white straight people's president. But, but he's not doing that. He, is, he clearly has an opinion. He clearly has a very racist, a very elitist opinion that he shouts out from the rooftops and that just encourages other people to, to be openly racist. It just encourages people to see that, oh, well, if the president can do it, then so can I. Oh, if the president thinks this isn't an issue, then I don't think it's an issue. If the president thinks that these are just riots, that these are just looting, that these are just thugs looking for trouble that I guess they are then I don't have to understand the other side either so I think it is very damaging and it's very concerning even for Trump even for Trump this is a new low uh, yeah you mentioned obviously the when the shooting starts the, when the looting starts the shooting starts comment from me on Twitter which was um sort of a quote of an um a, a Miami sort of police commission of the 1960s that was even back then, widely held as racist. Um, now Trump tweeted that on his uh, both his own personal account and the official White House account, and both those tweets were censored. by well, well I say censored. Twitter declared them to be against their rules, but it's still accessible on the website for historical purposes. And um, sort of a, a massive move from the company. It's basically in the last four years saying, "Let Trump be Trump. We won't modulate what he's saying." Um, Trump obviously wasn't very happy about that. I mean, I just obviously talking. You've mentioned discussed it already, but I, I want to come to the rest of the panel. On the first, your reactions to him making the comment, and then your reaction to the, the sort of fight he started with Twitter over it. Um, Josh, I'll start with you. Well, I mean, these comments that he's been making are very unbecoming of a president. But then again, I'm not surprised he's been doing these. He's been making unprofessional comments for the whole of his term so far as president of the United States. Um, the responses, honestly, I think Obama has made a better response to 
the protests than Trump has. And Obama's not even president anymore. And he doesn't even need to if he doesn't want to. But Obama is doing much more of presidential action than Trump is. I mean, you even said it, the, what Trump is explicitly said, he can't go around, what, he can't say, oh, I didn't imply that. He outright said when the looting starts, the shooting starts, he cannot worm his way out of this one on his quoting. And Twitter, especially, their response to it in only keeping it for historical purposes is making sure that Trump can't worm out of it this time. His response to Twitter in how they're suddenly, and they're also in previous tweets, they've been also starting to put fact checkers on his tweets. This in general is, and now Trump is responding to it saying, oh, this is not right, it's wrong, it's, it's totally against me, it's fake news and all this. It's just, again, Trump trying to avoid the issue and generally just not handling the situation in the correct way he's clearly sided towards the police force and what they're doing he's sided against those people who are protesting a very real issue uh within the united states and across and especially in western states an issue which has been around for so many years he is clearly showing a side on that and for a president to be doing that so brazenly without even a flicker of a thought is horrifying and i Honestly, I'm dreading to see what he does next. Yeah. Just to clarify, and when we discuss what Trump's trying to do to Twitter, Trump is issuing executive action that he believes will repeal part of a law that essentially means that if you're an online publish an online social media website, you're not responsible for the content published on your site. So if anyone wanted to sue you for it, they have to directly to the person who put it out there, not you. Um then I want to come to you. What's your response both to Trump putting out the comment and then Twitter's, Twitter's response to it? Um I I'd first like to say that I wish I could say I was surprised about Trump's comments, but unfortunately, I seem to be impervious to the things he says and sort of gone numb to his comments. I cannot, abs I could not believe my eyes when I read the quote, uh, when the looting starts, the shooting starts, but I'm also not surprised that he is quoting a 1960s man that was against civil rights activism. I believe that Donald Trump is showing his true colors now, as he has for the most of his presidency, but he's really showing that he does not care about people of color and he cannot even pretend to care about them. How dare he say this? Honestly, I am angered. As a citizen of the United States of America, I am ashamed to stand for that national anthem and for that man and for everything he stands for. Um, I would like to say that this man calls people protesting for equality and justice and against the brutality of the police, um, his enemies. He calls them violent thugs. Well, that says everything you need to know about Mr. Trump. He calls anti-fascists his enemies. He calls them terrorists. Well, at least, you are, at least the CIA isn't funding them like they funded terror groups in the Middle East, right? Now, Donald, I, I, will not, I will not try to pretend like police brutality has only been a problem under Donald Trump. It's been a problem under many presidents, both liberal and conservative. But Donald Trump is the first president I've seen that has openly taken the support of the people who are fighting against people of color. Right? He's taking the stand against people trying to liberate themselves. And I've never seen a president so vocally and so globally do that. He has a massive platform of people who be will believe anything he says because they are under the delusional idea that because he is not bought and owned by many politicians, what he says is the truth. But Trump has no concept of what the truth is. He's a delusional man that has sacrificed absolutely nothing and only knows privilege as a white cis 
rich man. All he knows is privilege. And I cannot believe the things they're saying. And I cannot be, and I'm so happy that Twitter has posted about that the tweets incite violence and then they are fact-checking. So maybe a few of his brain dead followers will listen to it and realize that what he says is not the truth, regardless of what he says. Yeah, um, I wanted to also talk about, of course, mo the most recent comment where he he said he was going to declare anti um, antifa or anti-fascists a terrorist organization. This is all sparked lots of controversy because, of course, it's not an organization, so no one's quite sure how that's going to work. Dorka, I'll come to you on this. What do you think about Trump's declaration that antifa is now a terrorist organization in the United States of America? I really do not know how when when Trump posted that when Trump decided on that. Did it never cross his mind that I am making the anti-fascist people my enemy? Because if your enemy is the anti-fascist organization, then just by rules of language, you are the fascist. You are the people who do not agree with the anti-fascist people. You are the pe you are the person who does not agree with equal rights with everyone being equal with one another, with being against discrimination. I just really do not understand how it even crossed his mind to deem Antifa a terrorist organization. And I do not really know what that means in, um, in practice, whether what, what consequences come with you being a terrorist organization or what uh, extra steps the government has to take just by law uh, whether it means extra surveillance, whether it means uh, them being banned from certain platforms. I do not know uh, that, but it, it can only mean harm and it can only be a further, a further obstacle in the course of those who want to end discrimination and those who want equal rights for all. And it is incredibly uncalled for. It's it is is very. Uh, I mean, I just keep saying it's sad, but the whole the whole situation is actually sad, and the whole situation is very infuriating. And how how someone can have so little self awareness that they will call an anti fascist organization the bad people, that they would call a a, a civil rights protest or a a Black Lives Matter protest or Black Lives Matter organization the enemy, or or how it can side with those who are beating peaceful protesters and just beating their, his own citizens. So I, I am very, I, I was actually shocked by the Antifa announcement. I was very shocked to hear that it is now dangerous, that it, it I don't know, is, is, it, is a yeah. public enemy of sorts. Yeah, I mean, um, just from being a big research here, obviously it's not a full thing. And I encourage everyone to go and look up for yourselves and, and, and learn more. But from what I can tell so far, that being declared a terrorist organization means that if you are seen to be associated with them, you can be detained for a certain amount of time without being charged with a crime. You can, oh, yeah, it just essentially means you lose certain rights, essentially, uh, in the criminal process. And yeah, it's so it's very, obviously, very problematic in that Antifa is not an organization with a clear membership list. And where, how would you determine whether or not someone is, in fact, part of Antifa? Um, Nini, we'll come to you on this. What What do you think about Trump's pronouncement of um, anti-terrorist anti organization? I mean, again, I think I mentioned this earlier. If you're declaring anti-fascist as the enemy, doesn't that make you a fascist? I think Dirk also said that, put that really well. And also, I'd like to say, I think this is a tactic. Like I mentioned in India, they arrested, they booked multiple 
student leaders who are fighting against racism and fighting against police violence, calling them terrorists. And because they were able to do that, they were also able to put them in jail without charging them with a crime. And if they do charge them with the crime, the burden of evidence is then reversed. So they would have to prove they're innocent. I don't think in America the burden of evidence reverses, but I do know that they can hold you without charge for an incredibly long time. And I believe that is the plan. I believe that this is all an entire ploy. I don't know if that you know Trump has masterminded this because I don't think he's smart enough to mastermind anything. But I do know that what this means is that now people who are vocally against the government and vocally against police brutality and decide to take matters into their own hands can easily get arrested. And they won't need to be charged with a crime. So the police won't need to build a case against them. All they'll have to do is just arrest them because there won't be a case to build because they're not being charged. They're just be, they're, they're, they, they can just say they're suspicious that they're working with Antifa. And Antifa isn't a declared organization. So I, I, won't, I don't understand how the logistics of this will work. But I think it's a small step. And then now, then what they can say is it's, it's another gateway to racial profiling. They can just accuse people of color who walk suspiciously and they can say, oh, we believe they were a member of Antifa. The same way many, uh, many racist Americans and many racist people in the West accuse random Islamic people of being with, working with ISIS, right? In, in the same way, they could randomly start arresting people of color and saying, like, you're working with Antifa and hold them for months without charge. And I yeah. think this is an incredibly dangerous prospect. Josh. What do you think? Agree? Disagree? Yes, it's a really, really big issue now that Antifa has been declared a terrorist organization. And there's one place where I think, which there will be very much filled within a very short amount of time, if this is true, is that, well, Guantanamo Bay was always the detaining place for terrorists um, when they weren't being sent on trial. So you can expect any person who is is declared to be associated with Antifa from this will be ending up in Guantanamo Bay very, very soon. Um, and also the idea of what a terrorist group is when you declare it, it means that you are against the values of that nation and you are trying to attack the nation's values, which makes zero sense to me. It's like you're putting Antifa on the level of Al-Qaeda, the Islamic State, the Taliban, two very different groups, if I would say so myself, in the fact that Al-Qaeda always called for the destruction of the West and the destruction of America in itself. But the fact that you're saying Antifa in this sense is against the values of America and is trying to destroy America's values means that, does that not imply that, as people have said, this makes you the fascist yourself? Does that imply that America in itself, its values are that of feeling threatened by a group that is calling for the end of fascism and calling for rooting out fascism within government and other areas of society. It is very problematic for Trump to make such a, as I said earlier, a brazen decision, a very short-sighted decision, which has basically wound him up in a lot of issues and how it, it can imply him to be aware of the idea that he himself, in going against Antifa and calling them terrorist group, actually puts him forward as a fascist himself. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I, I don't want to end this on a complete down note. So I, I also want to touch on, we've seen, we have seen videos from across America in places like Flint, Michigan, of police officers laying down their batons and weapons and helmets and walking alongside protesters. Uh, how do we, how do we think police officers go forward from this and rebuild trust and faith in their communities so that we can, they can get back to providing an essential service? I think there's, it's really difficult. It, I mean, I know there's going to be lots of calls for a complete restructuring 
of the police of the judiciary judiciary system itself of how the police are trained and how they work and rooting out any member of the police who is clearly showing signs of racial discrimination against um members of their own country particularly uh those of racial minorities as we've mentioned it here we've talked about african americans particularly since they are the ones who have been attacked the most particularly in america um i think yes a, a restructuring of how a restructuring of the police department would be needed. I mean, I'm going to bring them up because they have shown up in the past few days. Anonymous have returned and they have, and if you saw the message that they put up, it was actually talking about how it's a completely corrupt system. And if that is, if that is the fact and that's the truth, you need to root out this corruption soon and quickly. To regain trust with the population, you're going to need to restructure the police department completely. And in a way that shows it not to be anything like the racial discrimination and police brutality that we have seen in the past few decades. So what, what do you think a new, a new police department should look like? Honestly, I do not know. Um, it's really difficult to say because I can't make up a whole new police department in my head off the yeah. spot. Um, but just to start off with, I mean, the idea that you still have tear gas and rubber bullets for riots, uh, well, for riots, possibly that'd be fine. But you know, in terms of just a peaceful protest, you don't need just simple ideas of putting in policies are saying if there is a peaceful protest do not bring any form of anti-riot gear such as rubber bullets and tear gas that'd be a start you know and also just oh yeah sorry oh no sorry i thought, I thought you put winding now no finish your point please and just and just generally not and this idea of racial discrimination you need to get rid of it you just need to root it out of the police department itself so it can actually provide unbiased justice to the people and actually show that they are protecting and serving the people yeah Dorka, Lily, what do you I think? think? I, you. I think. Yeah, Dorka, please. Yeah, Dorka yeah. Uh, I mean, reforms are needed. These, all of the uh, the handling of the protests has clearly shown that. I think there needs to be a new, very, very clear set of laws as to when you can use tear gas. When can you shoot at people with rubber bullets? When is it a riot? when when is it just a peaceful protest how can how can a protest remain a protest in the eyes of the police as well and it is not it is not the um it's not on the protesters to know how to behave it's not on them to know police procedure is it on it is on the police to inform them whether um whether they are still in the bounds of of a protest and it is up to the police to remain peaceful and to remain protecting the people until the last minute. So I think there needs to be a serious uh, restructure of of just uh, protest handling and of just these procedures and of these uh, rules that the police are following internally. But besides that, the entirety of the police from, from the chiefs, from just to the everyday officers needs to needs to offer a real apology and it doesn't it should not come in a form of of a statement of a beautifully crafted but heartless statement it should be a real apology and it should be them owning up to their own blame of overreacting it should be them owning up to the systematic oppression that is happening in the police and they should become self-aware of what they're doing because if you just implement a new set of rules but keep the same officers with the same attitude without them ever acknowledging that they are in the wrong nothing's going to change yeah um then i'll come to you for the last word on this what do you think where do we go from here
I think there are a few steps as a society that we need to take, and this starts off with us in the voting booths. Um, in many, many countries, we have elected judges and elected prosecutors, and we need to start holding mayor's offices, prosecutors, and judges accountable for the things that happen in their constituencies. And in England, we need to start being very careful about what ministers we are voting with, because that is where it starts. We need to start imposing body cameras on all police officers because studies have shown that they behave themselves better when they know we are watching. We need to increase ways in which police officers can report on each other without facing punishments. So a different system in which they can anonymously report on their fellow police officers because too many police officers are scared into silence. We also need to increase the diversity in the police force. Right. Um, I think we are, far, uh, especially in America and the UK, we are far too many white police officers. In India, we are far too many men and Hindu police officers. We need to see some diversity in the police forces so that we can see some empathy towards minority communities. We also need to see federal convictions against police officers that brutalize people without any justification. And it doesn't matter if these criminals are guilty or not. You, there is barely ever an ex, there is no ex, there's barely ever an excuse to be get to be violent, and there is never an excuse to murder. And we need to, to, the military. to clear, when you say these criminals are guilty or not, you're referring to the victims of police brutality, correct? Yes, just to, just, yeah, just to clarify. Yeah. Yes, it doesn't matter if they're guilty or not, is what I mean to say. What matters is how they're being treated. Because if you really believe in freedom, and if you really believe in equality, then you have to believe that we need to treat our citizens better. Even if you believe them to be criminals, that we need to treat our, our, our citizens better because freedom is not free. And that is what that means. Sure, it might mean that maybe sometimes a criminal might get away. Maybe it might mean that the police are unable to catch a few criminals. But how we treat people how we treat even the people that we believe to be the lowest of society is what shows us the kind of people that we are. And more importantly than anything I've said, we need to hold the people in our family and our friends circles accountable. We need to stop staying silent and watching. Someone incredibly close to me who I will not name because I don't think they want me to name them. When I first moved to the UK, they told me not to take the train at night. Because when they lived in the UK before me, they took the train every single night. And every night they were racially abused by Englishmen. Right? Um, this person was also a brown Indian, much like me. They were racially abused every day on the train. And what that person said to me was that when this happens to you, you're going to have to sit still. You're going to have to say nothing. And you're going to have to not react. Because that's how you make it stop. But they never stopped, right? Because things don't stop if you stay silent. And I never want anybody, anybody ever, to believe that their only option is to stay silent. I think what we need to do is we need to hold people accountable, especially those in elected office, especially our friends, especially our family, and especially our government-approved systems. We need to start holding our education systems accountable. Right? Do you know why they use Rosa Parks as an example, even though multiple black women refused to move from her seat before her? Because Rosa Parks had lighter skin. She, she didn't have a child out of wedlock like some of the other women, and she had no criminal record. Even, even the ways we are taught about equality have been tailored for the people in privilege. 
And we need to start holding that accountable. Only then can we move on as a society. And that is all um, I have to say. Yeah, Vinny, thank you. Um, thank you, everyone, for coming on. Um, I know we promised that we talk about SpaceX and lockdown easing. But obviously, that's not happened. Um, <laughs> unless you want to say what, one quick word. one word about what you think about SpaceX and the rocket launch. Like, just one, sum up your opinion in one word about the rocket launch. Josh, I'll, I'll go to you because I know that. Um, it's always good to see uh, the space, you know, the space age continuing to flourish after we've had so many decades of very little activity with just the ISS. Yeah. Seeing private companies now bring us out into space again is a really good sign. And hopefully we will start that. Um, something I really want to see coming within my lifetime is that we start actually having trips to Mars. That's always what, something I wanted to see. So this is a small step, but it's a good step to see. Yeah. I'm crucial that that wasn't one word, but I'll forgive you. Everyone else, you Sorry. get one sentence as well. Uh, Dorka, what, one sentence. What do you think? I mean, I've, I've always dreamed of Elon Musk becoming a real-life Iron Man, and I, I, it really warms my heart that he's just that step closer to it. Nene? Um, I think it's great for these astronauts to be able to leave Earth during 2020. Any scientific advancement like this is, an ama is amazing news. And congratulations to all the amazing scientists that have been able to pull yeah. this off. Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, congratulations. But I do just want to say, I've never seen a film that starts astronauts leaving a plague in Earth that ends well for humanity. So I'm just putting that out there. Um, <laughs> Very true. Yeah, um, but fail, honestly, thank you both, thank all of you for coming on the panel. You've been absolutely thank fantastic guests. Um, it's been us. an absolutely brilliant you. conversation. Um, yeah, um, thank you all of you for watching at home. Um, I just want to say, if you, if you, I want to catch up on this afterwards. Inside is now a podcast. You can find Spotify and Mixcloud. Um, you can find every single episode we've done so far on there as well. Um, I do also want to say, if you've been affected by anything it said in this uh, program so far today, please reach out, find. Um, reach out to Warwick Welfare Services or, or any welfare service you can find and talk to them about it. Um, and also reach out and also if you feel like you want to help out in any way in, the, in any stories we discussed today, reach out and find a charity you can donate to or a, a cause you support that helps people in these situations we discussed today. Um, thank you for watching. It's been an absolute great insight. Um, please come back next week. <laughs>